0: Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Man, we sing about this song, how awesome He is. How can God be awesome in a world like this? I'll tell you, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change because of things change in our lives. He is still awesome, amen, and He's the great thing that we have to look forward to. Man, this world is not going to provide any hope, any peace. But God can do that, right? Man, that's what we can look towards, amen, to lift us up, to encourage us, to get us through whatever we're facing, amen. And uh, it's great to be able to come in together to worship him, to feel his presence and lift up the name that is above every name, amen. The names that are, that are being broadcasted nowadays, right now at least, are what Joe Biden and Donald Trump, but I know a name that's greater than that the name of Jesus, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, amen, greater than all of our situations, and we're going to call on that name and magnify him tonight, amen. Amen, it's so good to see everyone here tonight to worship together, amen, and those that are uh, not here or not able to, amen, we are, uh, we're a, a body of believers, and we're here to encourage each other, amen, to help get us all through this, right, amen, and um we uh, we are looking forward to, uh, we always look forward to the nice uh, break in weather, but sometimes we end up paying for that. Usually the first cold front that comes, we end up paying for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's just continue to lift everyone up in prayer. Amen. Nowadays, uh, last year you, you had flu symptoms, this year you have COVID sy- symptoms. And uh, just keep praying for everybody. God will... Uh, get us through all this amen amen we want to dismiss our kids church for tonight Uh, we've got uh, this Saturday is uh, ladies meeting here at the church uh, 1030 sharp amen and if you uh, haven't read your book you've got a day to read it and uh, so looking forward to that Um, we are doing our Friday morning uh, Food donation thing here again. Nine o'clock this Saturday, tomorrow. Nine o'clock tomorrow morning. If you want some boxes of food to give away, man, we're gonna have all that you can take. Plenty of boxes, so don't be. Uh, you can be extra stingy if you want. Take as much as you want, amen, and give them away and be a blessing uh, to others as God has blessed us. If hopefully you've been blessed by that, I know. Uh, the outlets, the people that we give them to, are touched by it, and I mean, some of them are te- tearing up because of just giving them a box of food. It's amazing what what can do, what God can do, the doors that God can open, Amen. And we we've been just been blessed by it, and so we're going to be a blessing to others, Amen, Amen. So let's remember that tomorrow morning at nine here at the church to pick up uh, the boxes, Amen, and uh, continue to pray. There's lots of needs in the church, people out sick and and family members that are sick. Um, Sister Magamo made it home today, so praise God for that. Lifting her up in prayer. Amen. And so, um, man, we all need prayer. Whether you realize it or not, whether you can uh, say you have a need, or you're not aware of a need that you have, you still need prayer. I still need prayer. We all need prayer. And continue to pray for each other. Amen. Amen. At this time, we want to have our, our young minister, uh, Brother Andy, come up and, and speak to us.
1: the Lord Church, praise God, it is good to be in the house of God, every day, praise the Lord, my son bought me this tablet, I think it's a preaching tablet, I'm not too sure, (laughs) it looks fairly well, so praise God, all right, pastor again, just want to give thanks for the things that you do. And if you guys would open up uh, to Romans twelve seventeen, 17, uh, chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. And if not, they'll put it up here on the, there we go. Praise God. Uh, recompense no man, uh, no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And if uh, praise the Lord. And if you would join me praying, giving thanks for the word and also the word the pastor is going to bring today. Lord, we thank you today, Lord, for bringing us to this place where we gather to hear your word and to know about your love and your peace. And more importantly, Lord God, of your salvation for us, Lord. You keep us always within the grasp of your hand. We're never too far from your hand. And for that, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. You think you may be seated? i put that up here to make sure. Praise God. The wrath of God is the title. Now, don't go running off yet. It's not one of those that you think like, oh, here he comes. He's going to say something that's going to scare me. But in a sense, it scared me more than anything because it's a lot of it is I like to share a little bit of my walk with the Lord. And I'm just going to talk about wrath, the description of it. Wrath is great anger, an example of wrath is a way uh, most people would feel after their car their new car is stolen and destroyed wrath is forceful often vindictive anger intense anger rage and even fury fury the interesting uh, difference wrath between wrath and anger is wrath involves action usually action with an energy of violence vengeance or punishment anger is often expected understandable even if frightening anger is normally a result of an activating event. So something has to uh, happen for anger to take place. Once it escalates from feeling to action, anger becomes wrath. Uh, the wrath of God is for the ungodly and the disobedient. Let me start with that because I, 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 I know that uh, many of us, uh, we see the word wrath and it, and it, and it brings fear to the hearts, and, and it should in a sense because God is a God of uh, justice. He's a God of, of righteousness and he wants us to stay in his ways. And in staying in his ways, we don't have to worry about facing this wrath. I say this because in chapter, in, chap, in this chapter, the verse, Paul declares that vengeance is of the Lord. He goes on to say, Beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, it is written vengeance is mine. The only wrath that the children of God will suffer and is at the hand of man or due to the hand of man but not at the hand of God. And this is the children of God. The hand of man is of flesh, but the hand of God is of spirit. This is why the Bible says for us to walk in the spirit and therefore not by the flesh. Amen. Some years ago, I was in a car accident and I wrote all this down because some of it is, is very, uh, I wanted to make sure I remembered a lot of it. And I, was, I hit someone coming out of a, uh, one of the places that I work at. And as I hit them, Uh, it turns out that it's, for some reason, it turned out to be a Mercedes Benz. Yeah. Out of all, right, I could have avoided every other car. And I hit this one. So he's going from one job to the other. The guy pulls over and, uh, don't know who he is. Still don't know who he is. Uh, but he pulls over and, uh, he gets off and he's waving his hands. And I remember thinking, this is going to be one of those days that I'm going to remember. And again, pulling over, uh, he was, uh, he was he was a bit of a wreck uh, he kept asking me you know, you know insurance what is your insurance were you texting uh, you know wh- what was it were you going somewhere in a hurry the point was that he was angry and he had a right to be you know I was exha- I was exhausted at the accusations I remember losing my patience a little bit now I didn't uh, lip about you know just speak to him rudely in any such way or form but I did get a headache and like I said I was getting a little upset nonetheless I took the initiative to answer every question to comfort his mind because he had no idea what he was asking me because he asked me the same question over, over, and over, and over again. But even though I answered him again, again, and again, even it was the same answer. Uh, Either he didn't hear me or he didn't believe me, I don't know. And then I even uh, assured him that when this insurance company would call me because he was concerned that I would speak to the insurance company and I would lie to them. And I said to them, no, 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 I, I'm going to tell them it was, it was my fault. I did it. You were in front of me. But there's more to the story than it was just my fault. So in doing so, uh, I it, he he received comfort in that. And in doing so, it, he kind of changed his attitude really, really fast. His mind was his ease. And, and it's almost his anger kind of really subdued really, really fast. It didn't take very long for that to happen. But it, it was because I reassured him that I would take care of it. Now, here's something that I wrote because I want to remember that, And I said, I'm reassuring me it, it was going to be all right and that he would take care of it, that we would take care of it. And as you heard we, uh, me reference to we would take care of it, I was referring to the Lord and myself because this man could be of no help to me or myself at this time. Again, he was chaotic. So he was not, and again, he was not in full wrath. He was just angry. And this all happened in the course of an hour and a half. So you may imagine that the attention of the, track, the traffic we had the Lord was there. He said, vengeance is mine, son. My response was, yes, Lord. So I was just kind of heeding to, the, to that. And I'll say, the word says that he has written his word in our hearts. And he is our God. And he and we are his people. And in doing so, I can remember just thinking there were actions that took place over and over again. And I'm, re- and I'm coming back to Romans twelve seventeen because It says, re- recompense no man evil for evil. I could have allowed the insurance company to handle my claim telling them, why I thought it was his fault, okay, but I didn't tell him. I, I told him I would call them, and I would let them know what I did. I want him to become, I want him to be okay. Uh, provide things honest in the sight. Oh, I'm sorry, brother, would you, there we go. Praise the Lord, thank you. Provide things honest in the sight of men. I could have said I didn't see anything, and I don't know anything, because it happened so fast, but I didn't do that. Instead, I answered his question, I saw you move, uh, is to pull into, into the lane, obviously I didn't. you didn't, then I hit you, my mistake. That was my response. If it is possible, as much as lieth in you, live peacefully with all men. I could have acted as, just as angry as he did when he came out of his car, swing his arms saying, and I could have said, what's going on? But I didn't. I remember getting off and feeling regret, and I probably walked up to him and said I was sorry and apologized and uh, seeing if he was okay, but he didn't react to that. And then it says, Be, Dear Beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. I could have said today, Lord, this one is mine. But I didn't say that. I let God handle my problem, and he did so perfectly. Therefore, in thine enemy hunger, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so, do- in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. This was one of the most powerful scriptures that hit me uh, like it lit my, lit my head up on fire because I didn't understand at first why would somebody put coals on somebody's head. Well, it's, it, there's a huge... I could have said to him, I'm not answering any more of your questions as to texting or being in a hurry to go somewhere. Instead, I answered all his questions to ease his, to ease his mind and assure him that I was aware of my fault and that I was, taught, I was taking full responsibility for my actions. So... Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And because we do this, the word says, For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. This man wanted answers and why he he was hit. I believe he knew he he had made a mistake. He had pulled in front of me, and he slowed down because he was distracted by something in his car. Now, I know this because I know there was no car coming, but I didn't argue with him. The point of it is that I took my eyes off his car, and he seemed to stop, and I thought he had gone, and I come behind him, and I hit him. So even so, even though he stopped, it was still my fault because I should have been paying attention to where I was going. And, again, so my fault. Um, I was not paying attention to this car that pulled up in front of me. My primary force shifted before he left. Now, here's the thing that really caught me off guard. When I was there speaking to him, uh, at first it was accusation after accusation. And I remember thinking, Lord, I know you're with me. You're with me here. You know, greater, he was in me. And those are, you know, small scriptures that were in me where I could always recollect these things. But the one thing before this man left, he was thanking God. He no longer was asking questions. He was happy he could be. uh, There was the the dent in his car didn't matter anymore. And he uh, he was looking above. And he said, you know what? He's looking at us. And I said, yeah, you know what? I know he is. But there's a difference when we react a certain way and and we stay out of harm's way and we don't allow wrath to come forward. And this is even from an individual. Now, the reason I named this the wrath of God is in doing what God desires us to do, it keeps us out of the wrath of the Lord. If we step into that fire, there. trust me when I tell you this, that we remove ourselves from the place of where God wants to be. Not that there's no mercy or grace. And I'm talking about people who at times will give themselves uh, time to say that I've come back to the Lord. But then there's there's a division there. And so a lot of times we, we bring ourselves to that place and we feel confident. Confidence is sometimes one of those things that can really make us feel as if with we're God, but we have to seek him. And I, I bring it back to prayer. I bring it back to seeking his face. I bring it back to where uh, where are you when you find yourself in the presence of God? Are you in the midst of things that are, and I'm going to say this, of the world? Or are you in the midst of the things of God? That will divide you. That will separate you. So let us keep ourselves. And again, God loves us. I know that he does. He keeps us in his ways. And he doesn't desire for us to perish. We know that. Romans 5, 3. And, and again, we, we're, we're stronger than we know. Trust me. We're stronger than we know. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And this is Romans 5.3 and 2 Thessalonians 1.4. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God, of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. So in closing, I want to say this. So tribulations are poured out on the just and the unjust because of the issues of the unjust. Yet even in tribulations, the children of God will stand before they are not not wavered by this outcome. These are tribulations not only against our faith, but also against the children of God in daily living. The children of God will stand because they have prepared their hearts. So what is the worst to come? Oh, I'm sorry. Their Their hearts are... The children of God will stand because they have prepared their hearts for what is the worst to come. God will not put us through something we cannot bear. And if we are unable to bear it, then we should ask ourselves the question, where do I stand in the eyes of God? God poured down down his wrath in the times of Noah because of the rebellion and unwillingness of man to obey him, to do what was good. Thank God for the beginnings due to Noah's obedience in that time. To be surrounded with so much wickedness and still live in the ways of the Lord, how does how does that make any sense? God is destroying so many—that's a question that I get a lot. The truth is that God had not taken such—if God had not taken such actions, we or you would not be here today. They were a generation that lived, and that was okay with vi- that. They were okay with violence and all types of corruption. God's wrath fell upon them because their works did not coincide with the works of him. Nonetheless, we are to be kind to them, to those who are much like them in our time. Praise the Lord. Pastor Locke. Amen. We don't want to be
0: in the the way of the wrath of God, and we don't want to be on the road when Andy's on the road. We'll let you drive ahead of us. Amen. That's one thing I hope I don't ever experience is hitting a Mercedes-Benz. I'll just have to take your word for it, brother, that uh, that's what happens. Amen. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, We go to Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verse six. This is uh, a a verse that we've kind of mentioned and talked about for a little bit over the past few weeks, months. Um, But obviously it fits in with this time of the year. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice, henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. So I want to talk to you tonight from uh, this title, uh, The Great Gift. The Great Gift. And so for the past few months, we have uh, been talking about the Great Reset, which was an overview of what Jesus calls the times of the Gentiles, which is a specific period of time where Gentiles rule the world and rule over Israel. But there is coming a great reset, not the one that they're trying to implement now, but there is uh, coming a kingdom that is not of this world, and it will reset this world and all the kingdoms of the earth, and it will be when the nation of Israel rules this world, and it will be Jesus who sits upon the throne of David as King of kings and Lord of lords, and I believe that day is fastly approaching, and he is going to show this world something that it has never seen before. A kingdom that rules the whole world with a thousand years of peace. People try to do that, and it tem- peace is only temporarily, uh, temporary, um, but true peace, the peace that Jesus Christ is going to rule with, has never before seen on this earth. And no matter how hard hard this world tries, it's never going to be able to have this peace. Only Jesus Christ is able to rule to such a degree that a thousand years of peace throughout all the world. There are times where nations have peace or at peace with other nations, but for the whole world to have peace through one kingdom, uh, we will see that in the millennial reign. But in the interim... In the time period that we are waiting for that to happen, this world waits for these things to come to pass, we have uh, unveiled the plan that God had hidden from the foundation of the world, and that great mystery, as Paul said, we found out is the church. And with all the blessings that are promised to the church, we, the church, would not be here. Such a mystery would not have been unveiled without a great gift. And since this world is turning its attention to this time of the year, or at least trying to, uh, with trying to turn to this uh, holiday season, and now as each day passes, we find out it's being trying to be canceled all across the world in certain places, um, and we see... Uh, People saying Christmas is canceled and holidays are canceled or even reschedule Christmas from six months from now. Really? Like you're going to allow six months from now to have us to have Christmas or them to have Christmas? We plan on having it, right? Um, But um, they obviously don't know that Jesus was born on December 25th. And who are you to think you can change your birthday? The the ignorance and uh, obnoxious people think that they can just do that. But while there's really no evidence uh, to say that Jesus was actually born on December 25th, uh, to me it would seem, the odds would seem slim that God would have Mary and Joseph travel through the cold fronts of winter to get down to Bethlehem. Uh, To me it would seem like that child being born in spring, summer, or even fall would be a more ideal time of the year than any day in winter. But, Anything is possible with God, and if He wanted to be born on December 25th, then He'll be born on December 25th. Um, And so Jesus Christ would still be born, and no amount of severe weather would affect uh, His plan. Because we know that Jesus was laid in a manger, which is an animal feeding trough. And how many people today would place their newborn baby in a, a cow or horse feeding trough? God had a purpose, He had a plan. And he had a great gift to give to the world, and nothing was going to stop his plan from happening. Nothing was going to hinder it, not bad weather, not a dirty barn or a stable, not even an unsanitary manger. When God's word goes forth, it shall not return void. It shall accomplish what it is sent to do and where it is sent to prosper. It will do that. And so it doesn't matter what the weather, it may have been a blizzard that day, but God is going to Come forth and his word will happen because his word was sent to Bethlehem. Micah 5.2, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be a little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been of, uh, from of old, from everlasting it didn't matter what day it was. It didn't matter what, that the inn was full and had no vacancy. It didn't matter who was in charge. It didn't matter if it was a Republican or a Democrat in power. The Holy Ghost came upon a woman, and she became pregnant, and that holy thing, that Son of God, was going to be born in Bethlehem no matter what because the Word of God already went forth. Instead of out of you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, the son a ruler is going to come and we know it happened for unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord and Can I tell you tonight that it doesn't matter who is going to be the final winner of this election. It's not going to have any effect on the word of God. It is going to happen if Donald Trump is in office. If Joe Biden is is in office, the word of God is still going to come to pass. And there's no amount of laws that they can pass that's going to stop or subvert or sabotage the word of God and his plans for the church. They are going to happen. You can lose faith in an election, you can lose faith in the world, but don't lose faith in the Word of God, because that stands the test of time, that will happen no matter what happens, because that is forever settled in heaven, and that's what we need to be looking to and putting our faith and trust in. Luke 2 and 1, it says, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor over Syria, and that all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And Joseph went down up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, with great, great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that. She should be delivered. So would you, would you look at that? It just so happened to be that while they were in Bethlehem, she came to full term and had, uh, had her son. Just so happened to be. The timing of it all. The timing that the decree went out to be taxed. The whole world to be taxed. Uh, the timing it took for them to, to leave wherever they were and go down to Bethlehem. All a perfect uh, time scheduled out by God to, so that he would be born in Bethlehem. Why? Because the word of God went out years before to saying, in Bethlehem out of you will come a ruler. And So it has to happen because the word of God declared it. Verse 7. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room in the inn was no problem for God. God was not thrown off by that. Even inside the womb, he heard the, the, the innkeeper say no room. He, wasn't, he didn't jump in the womb and say, oh, no, what do we do? doors closed in your life, that's still no problem for God. God can still find a way, and He still has a way already planned. God will find a place for His will to be accomplished. If it's not in the end, it's going to be in the stable or or the manger or somewhere. God will make sure that His will is accomplished uh, no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what roadblocks come up or what laws are passed or decrees are declared. He's making sure his will is being done. But we just got to be willing to go to the barn. We've got to be willing to go to the cave, most likely it's probably a cave or a stable to to give birth to the promise that God has spoken into our lives and who wouldn't want to go to a hotel? Who wouldn't want air conditioned rooms and a, a memory foam mattress and while you're out on vacation, Sometimes our plan, our expectation is that God's will is going to be done there at the end. given birth at the end. Where else would I, why would I want to go anywhere else? I'm going to the end. And when you find out that there's no room in the end, what happens is we get discouraged. And we will we'll quit, or we give up, or we walk away sorrowful, and we start to worry and stress. And when God's plan wasn't the end, it was the manger. And we start blaming God because His will did not happen according to the way that we thought it should. God, the, the end. Where, am I, where else am I going to sleep, Lord? Lord. And God says, uh, did I say that you were to give birth at the Ritz-Carlton? No, I just said you're going to give birth. And we just automatically say, oh, there's the end. That's where it's going to happen. That doesn't, God didn't say that, did he? He said you're going to give birth to a child. We like to fill in the unknown details, and when it doesn't align up with our plan, we kind of get a little upset or frustrated, or why isn't things working out? Well, if God didn't give that detail, why are we trying to fill in the blank of something that we're not sure? We just need to be a vessel. God's just looking for a vessel. He's just looking for a a, a girl to give birth to a child, and, and our comments and our opinions and our thoughts only get in the way of us doing and fulfilling what God wants us to do. Look at uh, Zacharias, uh, John the Baptist's father. He started asking all these questions. The angel started, uh, appeared to him and started telling uh, them God's will. And he started asking all these questions and how is this going to be and how is it going to come to pass and all this and that. What are all the details and I need to know everything. And the angel says, you want a sign? How about you keep your mouth shut until my will's done? How's that for a sign? Any more questions, Zacharias? Or are you ready just for my will to be done and, and just, you just be a vessel that I'm looking for? And so, so Jesus was born in a stable or a barn or most likely a cave. Uh, and, and we are told that Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in his bassinet, which was a food trough. This practice, this custom of swaddling clothes is was a little different than we do today with newborns. They don't have those super soft uh, micro microcloth things and goose down feather things that we wrap babies in or whatever they do. I don't know. Um, but uh, things were a little bit different back then, and so we get a glimpse of what they did. For centuries, when, when children were born, uh, this is what we get we can see what they did. And uh, Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan thy father was an Amorite and thy mother was an Hittite. Now uh, this is God uh, describing to Israel uh, basically the way they've been acting and living. Uh, these, your father was an Amorite and your mother's a Hittite. basically you're acting ungodly like you're, you're un, 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 uh, your parents were, were ungodly and you're living uh, this idolatrous life. You're not living like I was your father or you're not living like you came out of the land of, 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 of Israel. You're acting like uh, some pagan person who doesn't know me or doesn't obey my laws. And so, and it goes on verse 4, and as for thy nativity, thy birth, in the day that thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee, thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. And so this gives a description of, of what um, God was saying did not happen, what did not happen to you. Uh, and so if those things are happened, that would be a normal birth. A normal, a normal birth. If a baby was not washed in water, if it did not get rubbed with salt, if it was not swaddled, as he was saying um, that uh, Israel was, then the baby. Was despised and neglected, and most likely it would be left to die because the custom was you wash the baby with water and then you rubbed it with salt and then you swallowed it with, uh, with cloth. And so that's, that's, that's why he's saying you guys are not like that because uh, you're, you're not acting like the way you should. And so I think we understand what washing a newborn with water does, uh, but then it is rubbed with salt. And what does that do? Salt is a natural disinfectant. Uh, and so salt is a purifier. And not though only does it naturally purify, it was also symbolic that the parents indicate that they're going to uh, teach their child to be truthful and, and pure uh, in its ways. And then after it is rubbed with salt, then it is wrapped with, in swaddling clothes or strips of linen cloth. And each strip, they say, was about two inches wide. I don't know how long, but you would just uh, take each strip and you'd, you'd wrap up the baby. Um, and this was done to straighten its body out, wrap it up, almost kind of like a mummy, if you will. I mean, they, they wrap newborns in, in blankets nowadays, but this back then they had strips, uh, strips of cloth. And so they'd wrap the baby to straighten its body, they'd wrap its arms and its legs to straighten up its legs so they'd start, you know, growing straight. But this was also indicative that the parents would raise up their child to be straightforward before the eyes of the Lord. And to flee uh, and, and be free of crookedness and they want their child to be upright and, 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 and right in the eyes of God. And so uh, that's what they did uh, naturally and obviously symbolically. Uh, of the way it was to be raised, and so now would we? We would think that these swaddling clothes or swaddling cloths would maybe be just some rags. You just wrap them up, eh, poor rags, leftover rags, or whatever it was. But maybe a poor family might have used them. But I don't know if Mary and Joseph were rich or poor, and there's really no telling of the quality of the strips of cloth that Jesus was swaddled with. It doesn't give that detail. But I've got to believe that the cloth that Mary had to swaddle her child was the finest cloth that she had ever purchased. What would you do if you were told that you were given birth to the God of the universe? Would you take out one of your dirty leftover kitchen towels or a dirty shop rag and say, I'm going to wrap up the greatest gift with this? No, I, I believe that Mary and Joseph saved and, and worked all that they could to purchase the most expensive piece of cloth because they know who was coming and they knew that they were going to have to wrap him up one day as he came out. And, and so I believe that they purchased the most expensive piece of cloth that they could afford. Like Mary and that alabaster box of ointment that was broken at the feet of Jesus and how it was cost a, a year's worth of wages and she just broke it there before the Lord. What, what more could Mary and Joseph do than to sacrifice for Jesus Then the first thing that, that touched the body of Jesus was the best thing that they could offer him? cost more than their uniform or their their wardrobe and they they had probably uh, sold half their stuff to buy these things but it was a sacrifice. Why? Because you're going to give it to the Lord. You're going to wrap your Savior in this and if I'm going to do that, I'm going to make sure that that is the most prized thing that I have in my possession is a piece of cloth that I'm going to wrap my baby with. Something that cost them so much because God, doesn't want something that barely costs us anything. It's not meaningful. If you had to save and work and you had to break that alabaster box, that's meaningful to God and and so I believe that Mary and Joseph probably did the same thing. We're going to we're not just going to to get something, uh, a cheap clearance, but this is the Son of God coming, and we gotta, we got to do all that we can to, to, to do, give our best for him, to wrap him in swaddling clothes. That is the finest that we can purchase. And so all throughout the, wor- the Old Testament, God demanded the best. He demanded the first fruits. And so why would Mary and Joseph offer him any less to welcome him into this world? And Jesus may have been laid in a manger, but I've got to believe that he was swaddled like royalty. That they knew that he was the king of kings and they're going to uh, make him feel that way as best they can. And after the baby was laid in the manger or the, the bassinet, uh, it was custom that the mother and father would then let, let the baby be and they would just get down on their knees and they would just start praying to God, thanking them for this, for this child that God had given them, for the, the blessing of, a, of, of another child in this world. And this one obviously was a special one. And so you can imagine uh, them praying and thanking God for that time. So God has a purpose. He always has a plan. And that is to uh, be manifested in the flesh. That was his plan there. Where and when and the conditions of his actual birth really doesn't matter all that much. But what mattered was, was that he was born. What matters what is that he came to this world and he was born for the purpose so that he can die for the sins of you and I and the sins of mankind born so that he can become the legitimate substitute and the sacrifice for fallen humanity because an innocent goat dying for your sins is not the same as a man dying for you God allowed these animal sacrifices to cover the sins of mankind uh, or more likely deferred for another year pushed uh, pushed ahead and and every year the sins of, the, of mankind would pile up and they would be deferred again and, and pushed again into the future. Payment for those sins was accepted, but it, the real payment was delayed because it was coming years later. And so that when a, a, a legitimate legal sacrifice would be slain, which would be the, a legitimate sacrifice for the sins of a man would be a man a perfect man dying for that, uh, those sins. When that finally came, when Jesus was finally born, all the sins, past, present, and future sins, would be paid for all at once in a single transaction. And that happened when Jesus breathed out his last breath and he said, it is finished. That's when the payment finally went through. There's no more pending payments in your bank account. You know, you wait for it to clear. Everything cleared when Jesus died upon that cross. And the sins of mankind was finally paid for with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Innocent blood, true innocent blood was finally shed for the guilty of man. Justice had finally been served. Case closed. Court is dismissed. Aren't you thankful? That Jesus Christ paid for your sins, that he took your place upon that cross, that, that we should have been the ones that died for our sins. We, we should have won, been the ones that uh, were, were beaten and, 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 and whipped and, and crucified because of the sins that we have committed. Talk about a great gift. Talk about a great gift given to this world. We should have got whipped with a cat of nine tails until our back was ripped open. Talk about the great gift. It should have been us who had those spikes hammered through our hands and feet. If we didn't die quick enough, we'd have had our knees uh, been broken with a club so that we would suffocate under our own weight of our body. It seems grotesque, and it was. But it was normal life for them. And we are the ones who are blessed to live in a society Where that type of capital punishment wouldn't happen. That Jesus, uh, had he come today to die for the sins of mankind, they would have locked him up in life in prison. And he he would have died, uh, he wouldn't have shed his blood like he did back then. But since uh, that type of punishment doesn't happen today in our life, people easily forget about it. The severity of it all, the, the treatment and the torture that Jesus went through for us so that we can come here and sit on an air uh, a cushioned seat in an air-conditioned building and hear somebody preach the word of God and encourage people to live right and try to keep from sinning. If people truly understood the consequences of their actions and how that choice actually kill Jesus uh, Christ, then I think maybe they would uh, change about what they do in their life. If they truly understood that my mistakes caused somebody else to die, caused somebody else to be beaten and tortured because of, uh, I, missed, I messed up and I sinned and I, I fell short of the glory of God. If, if we understood that, if this world understood that, we would probably be living in a different world today. Musicians, if you would come. And so, mankind had been living in sin for thousands of years. And God put the sacrificial system in place, but only until He could come and pay that great price and become the great gift to this world. And throughout the years of humanity, God would speak through godly men and prophesy, prophecies concerning this Savior was periodically given to remind and to reassure humanity that God had not forgotten about them. Aren't you thankful that His Word is there to keep you on track, to to remind you, to not let you uh, worry or fret that you're you're not alone because He's never going to leave us or forsake us. It's His Word that comforts us and keeps us, and He will fulfill His Word. He even gives us a glimpse into the future to encourage us to hold on. It may get windy and it may get stormy and darkness may move in and out of your life, but if we read the back of the book, We know that it's all going to work out in the end. and So why are we going to give up now? Why would we fret? Why would we uh, be discouraged when things aren't looking great out there? We know what the end of the book looks like. and So we need to hold on tighter now more than ever to the Word of God because we know that's the only thing that's going to really come to pass. And that's what we need to look forward to. If you stand with me tonight. One of the prophecies concerning about the birth of our Savior in our text, uh, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And uh, we we talked and we mentioned how there's such a, there's a gap there. He was born, but we're still waiting for the government to be upon his shoulder. 2,000 plus year gap right there in the middle of scripture. The government shall be upon His shoulder. That's coming. That day is coming when He will rule this world. And His name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And this is just one of many verses that I see that refute the doctrine of the Trinity. That there are three separate persons in the Godhead. Because it says right there... That the Son is the everlasting Father. How can they be separate people when the Son is the everlasting Father, the Almighty God? How can they be separate if they're the same? And we know that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so if we're going to separate them, then Jesus' Father is not the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. So then how does all that work? If they're separate. But we know that they are not separate, that they're all one and the same. And so there doesn't seem like any separation to me. It seems like there's one God and His name is Jesus. And there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism. And that's what we hold on to because that's what the Word of God teaches. And so as Scripture declares, a son is given to us to be the sacrifice for our sins, the great gift. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Since the world is turning in their eyes this time of the year to the birth of Jesus, we might as well gaze our eyes upon Him too, who really was it that was born in that manger Who really was it that was wrapped with swaddling clothes? It was Emmanuel, God with us. It was the Almighty God. It was the Everlasting Father. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, and He is the great gift to this world, and we would not be here had He not come and given Himself. Had He not been born in that feeding trough, Had he not given of himself and given his life for us, we would not be here today. He died for us. And all that he asks of us is just to live for him. He's not asking us to die, literally, physically die. He already did that. He just says, can you just live for me? You don't have to go through all that I went through. You don't have to be uh, crucified and killed, even though you deserve it. You should be here. I'm innocent. I shouldn't be the one on this cross, but I'm here in place for you. And so if I die for you, will you live for me? That's all that God asks. That's the great gift of salvation that he has given to this world. And I want to live for Him in these last days. It may seem like it's hard, but once you get your eyes focused on Jesus Christ, it's not really all that hard. You just got to keep your eyes on Him. Keep focused. Keep your eyes in the Word of God. And we're going to see our Lord and Savior soon and very soon. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's thank Him for the great gift of His birth, His salvation that He provided for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We
2: worship you. Hallelujah. Here I am to say that you're my Lord, you are our God. We thank you. You're all together. For suffering and dying for us. All together. That we can be here to worship you, Jesus. And all together, Help us, Lord, to live for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Here we are to worship you. Because you died Here for me. I Here I am to God. bow down. Hallelujah. Here I am to sing. But we've got lots to be thankful you're for, my God. You're all Hallelujah. You all together.
0: let's worship him let's thank him lord thank you lord for your great gift to us help us lord to live for you jesus each and every day god to me to give you praise and glory hallelujah jesus amen even though uh things are so uncertain out there amen as as brother andy mentioned let's not uh, if people are mean and upset and hateful, it's not we don't respond the same way. We respond with love. Amen. Because that's what will turn them. That's what will diffuse them. Amen. And the love of Jesus can take care of everything, can it? And if we're to be that witness, we can't be a witness when we're firing back at them. They're not going to listen to, oh, by the way, let's come to my church, please. Amen. And so... Um, Keep everyone in prayer, our our church body, church family. Keep this nation in prayer. Amen. We've got, uh, what, 11 days. December 14th is the big day for this country, the Electoral College, to figure out what they're doing. So these next uh, 10 days or so is going to be, might be interesting. Amen. And so let's keep uh, this nation in prayer and everyone. We want to be a light and a love to everyone that we know. Amen. Man, God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Don't forget, tomorrow morning at 9, we got all the food. Saturday, ladies, they'll be here at 1030. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful.
2: You're wonderful. To me.